Warriors All 82 podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go to app for the best deals on last minute tickets. Did you know Warriors ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Come on out now and watch the Eric Pascal Show. Hello and welcome back to a victorious edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. Had to bring the resident optimist, Ethan Strauss, onto the podcast to discuss the first Chase Center win ever. I gotta say, I'm feeling pretty optimistic. Uh, it was a fun game beyond that. I mean, that's the obvious it's the obvious uh, thing to draw from it. Uh, Eric Pascal fever. Pascal. I know, I say Pascal. It's hard. I, you want to say it French. Uh, it's hard. I, I it was hard it's in like, like preseason, like, but I was like, you know, how much oh, am I really gonna that. say it? How much am I really gonna say it? And then now it's like you should probably learn it. He's becoming the star of this like oh. new uh wounded team. One minute into your pot, I'm getting crushed. I need to remember the mnemonic of Pascal rhymes with rascal, and hopefully it will be embedded in my brain because I think we are gonna be bringing up his name. Um, in perpetuity, uh, especially when they build a statue for him within, I don't know, 15 years from now outside the Chase Center. Um, look, I don't know what the ceiling is on this whole Pascal adventure. I, I, I'm not sure, but he is somebody who might have fallen through the cracks because he does not look like he doesn't look like the typical guy for his position. He is sort of the height of a three, and he looks like a bowling ball four, but he moves with this odd just quickness, and man, he can get to the rim. He can score an ISO. I'm sure teams are going to catch up to a certain extent with scouting reports. I know uh, Stotts was asked about that after the game, uh, but he just continues to impress, and going into the season, he was 500-1 to for rookie of the year. That was dropped down to 60-1 to going into this, and now Vegas has taken it off the board. You cannot place a bet on Pascal rookie of the year. They're, so that's the they're rattled like they're the rattled. Blazers' front line tonight. Oh, I was in that Blazer locker room after the game. Woo! Ugh, ugh. Yeah, uh, part of the reason why Pascal was probably undervalued beyond just like the whole tweener thing um, is because he's 23 years old. He turned 23 today, mm. and NBA, look, any sport, you know, even NFL, MLB, they tend to um, like the growth potential of prospects intrigues them where if you look at a guy who's going to turn 23 early in his rookie season that doesn't intrigue you as much as hey look at Jordan Poole the Michigan guy who looks like he can grow into his body he's only 20 and think about what he will be at 23 Um, and you know that is like a way that it makes sense that maybe we talk about Pascal's um, ceiling being maybe a little bit lowered because of that I mean he's the same age as Donovan Mitchell he's only you know it's funny pregame D'Angelo Russell's coming in saying, like, happy birthday, young, and happy birthday, Rook. Nah. And he's like, I'm pretty old-ass rookie. <laughs> and it's like, hey, guess what? He's turned the same age as D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, on a max deal already passed his rookie contract, is the same age. But I think that allowed the Warriors to get him at 41. You yeah. know? I mean, the age along the with way, maybe the question marks. Similar with Draymond. Similar. I mean, their games aren't exactly the same. They've got different games, but... There's a bit of a tweener. There's a bit of where does he fit in. And there's also this guy was in college for a while. And so the luster isn't there because of that. And 
hey, you can perhaps get some value there. And maybe more so you can get some value with guys who aren't primary creators because those guys tend to get almost overdrafted or drafted too high. Maybe with some of the guys who fit into me, more of a role player, rotation player lane, uh, you can get some value. But if he's going to be scoring 36 points, Anthony... I don't know. I don't know. Where does this end? Where is it going? Well, well, first of all, he had four threes tonight, and he had been 0 of 8, hadn't hit a three in his first six games. Like, that's not that sustainable to me. He seems like long-term probably like a low 30% from three. Hey, if he can shoot low 30s from three, I think that is great. I think that is completely uh, that is completely fine. That's, hey, that's around 50 to over 50%. Uh, EFG so that would be that would be great that would be a great outcome for him and uh, we will see what happens with the scouting Terry Stott said we watched film on him but he shot the ball really well I don't know if he's a shooter or not but tonight he was I think teams are still trying to figure out who is this guy and what does he do uh, as are we uh, I, I think we were there was discussion in the media room I won't say who said it but somebody said that they didn't expect Pascal to have more than 10 points games of scoring over 20 points it was me okay well i'm gonna take the over on it and we will see because against the houston rockets three now against the houston rockets i think he stands a pretty good chance of having another one yeah i mean look by default they only have nine guys two of them are two-way guys they're playing these up and down pace games what was the final night 127 118 they won i mean if you are scoring 127 points i mean look at this box score not only did it pass uh, he had 34 because they took away two of his points. Oh, um, Kai Bowman had 19. Marquise Chris had 18. Is that no, no, Damian Lee? I was like, no, I was like that. <laughs> that was that did not happen. Damian Lee had 18. Uh, Chris did have moments, but he did not have 18 points. No. Um, you know, Jordan Poole 16, even though he shot three of 16. Like, like numbers are going to happen to me more than like, hey, look, he scored. 20 plus points in three out of four games is like the way he's doing it powerfully like nudging yeah. defenders off and you know he did it to PJ Washington in uh, against Charlotte and that's another rookie although bigger than usual rookie um, but then the Hornets put Marvin Williams on him and Marvin Williams is like 15 year vet strong bigger longer wing oh six God. foot eight and he did it to Marvin Williams too and then tonight uh to you know not a large front line but like Anthony Tolliver's out there these aren't like skinny easy to to nudge around guys he will meet against like the Laker front line I don't think he's going to have nearly the kind of success you don't need to hypothesize we saw that in preseason yeah. he regularly was having trouble finishing at the rim now okay. that was his first NBA preseason and that's but- a, a giant front line, um, but with the way the league is trending, uh, it's the quickness is what intrigues me with him. He is so he is so much quicker than it looks like he should be, uh, and I don't completely know where his game fits. But maybe a lot of teams are going to have trouble trying to figure it out. I'm thinking about other observations. Uh, I was talking with Damian Lee after the game. He's he's kind of good at getting fouled a little bit. That's something that I didn't totally. Uh, Maybe I saw the G League stats. He might have had over five free throws a game, but you wouldn't think so. But he's got an odd, he's got an odd knack for that sometimes. So that was another score. Yeah, he's he can get some buckets. Uh, Obviously, with the defense, that's something that's always the question. But he put up a fight on certain possessions, and um, that's a guy where I think he's showing some value and really 
a lot of these guys, maybe they played over their head, but you could see what they could potentially be at their ceiling tonight. I felt that way about Spellman. I was watching Spellman and going, you know, he's pretty skilled. Spellman, he hit some jumpers and I found his jumper hadn't been going. Uh, Spellman has dropped now under 260 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see it. I mean, he's more slender, which makes him more bouncy. Where he where he fits as an NBA player is like high, high energy. Come off the bench, inject yourself into the game throw your big body into some people who don't really want to get hit by like a you know somewhat mildly reckless um you know rebounder um and i think that uh if if he can kind of he needs to be in shape to play that role And, and he looks to me like he has worked himself back into a playable shape in that role and he's outplayed marquis chris even though chris was like you said was actually pretty good tonight they had like a three center rotation um but there's a reason they picked up his option yeah, uh, he he impressed. And then on top of that, what do we make of Poole where I think he was in the plus column and sometimes they need a guy who's just going to chuck it because not everybody is so bold about it. Uh, but the shot hasn't been going down so far. Uh, is that a concern at all or do we just go, look, uh, it's going to drop, the form looks great. What is your take on him so far? So... um he was – I, I, I want to look this up because I'm going to put it in my article that will be up later tonight. Um, but he was one of seven on two-pointers tonight. Mm. And that drops him to a really, really, really bad percentage from two this year. Yeah. Um, but he only makes two of nine threes tonight. But I will say, when he is lining up a three, I think it has a very good chance of going in. So, even even though the percentage hasn't been that great. Like, he just – to me, he's already like, man, that is a shooter you don't want to leave. Whereas – the rest of his game, the floaters, I saw coaches working on him, the floater, like he's trying to get to that level, the, the pull-up mid-ranger, the try to finish at the rim even though he's not super athletic. Um, he is going to be crazy and efficient inside the line. But when he lines up a three, I'm pretty confident it's got a good percentage chance to go. So, so who are we thinking when we think about his his trajectory and his ceiling? Because I, I'm struggling to find a comp. I, I'm, I'm trying to come up with one. Uh he would be a guy who shoots over 40%, but you wouldn't think that he's a Jamal Crawford. I mean, he doesn't have that kind he of handle. He's not like the hand. The handles yeah. aren't Jamal. But he's got a little bit of a handle. He's not He's not a J.J. Redick purely off-ball. I'm trying to – maybe there's not really a comp that makes sense, but he's somebody right I now mean, like where I'm, he's, I'm trying to figure him out. A lot of times he's – like people beyond – okay, yeah, he's got a quirky personality. In 0% ways am I using this for that, but Nick Young, you know, where mm. uh, younger Nick Young – scorer can get hot has some like confidence i I think that's about as good as i can do that's that's a good one right there with uh young nick young um which hey for when they were they big nights in his career for where they picked him if you can do that that's great and uh pascal's another one where i'm not sure what the comp exactly is people have thrown out Millsap. people thrown out i've i've thought just the sort of general shape P.J. Tucker, but he's more skilled with the ball than P.J. Tucker is. Uh, of course, P.J. Tucker is just an excellent defensive player and one of those superstar in his role kind of guys. So it's a tough, it's a tough comp. So what's interesting about this start by Pascal is like he was viewed reputation-wise. What I thought was he was going to come in, he was going to be a versatile multi-position defender. Um, you know, he was going to help them in the lineups where they wanted to go small with him and Draymond out there. He was going to back up Draymond. Um, and he was – I remember in the preseason they put him on LeBron for a little bit and he kind of held pretty sturdy on a, on a couple of LeBron post-ups. And it was like 
he's going to do that and like hopefully he'll chip in a little bit offensively. Um, but the offense, as we have talked about, has been shocking. What have you thought of him d- defensively? He got in a switch a couple times with Lillard tonight. Lillard blew by him one time. McCollum blew by him on a slow closeout once. He did handle himself well in a couple other uh, kind of ISO situations on a switch. To me, that matters almost even more long term when we're talking about him being wrapped back into the star-laden team his next season can he play 25 minutes a night as a switch guy with stars around him because he's not going to be a high usage offensive player when this team is at its full the way Lillard cooked him too was pretty nice by Lillard it wasn't any sort of just straight line blow by Um, he was operating with a lot of craft on that possession and you looked at it and you said when it was, I'm talking about the one where he wrapped it around his back. Um, you know, that was one where, okay, welcome to the league rook uh, sequence. It wasn't one that made me go, oh, this guy cannot switch out on a guard. He is completely incapable. So uh, I don't know if he's like Draymond and he can really truly guard at his peak one through five. I don't know if he can do that, but he certainly seems like he's got some utility. Um, at least two through four. Like, I think two through four is there for him. Um, and maybe the one can be added. Five is going to be a little tough. I don't think to he has... Me, to me, two through four makes it is important because that means he can be a three. Yeah. And they, long-term, I think, need him to be a th- three-four switchable. Like, they don't care. Because you can have him on the court with Draymond and still have a center well, if you want. I'll say this. If I need to choose one guy to guard LeBron... and. It's not a good situation if they're going against LeBron and the Lakers right now, so it's almost the least bad option. I think he's your best option, even as a rookie, on this particular roster. So make of that what you will. I mean, Draymond would be. Oh, I'm talking about like guys who are available to play right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Draymond, obviously. Um, or Clay, <laughs> if Clay gets healthy. But well, Draymond should be back in like a few games. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> they might come up with another. They might uh, not to get conspiratorial about it. Was this a bad night for the Warriors? They got to win. I, I don't. I would love to know. I, I wish that we could know what Bob Myers was saying when uh, he, he I was I think knowing that you want the spirits of your young team to, to kind of rise, especially going to, towards a road trip where young teams typically are worse, knowing that you do not have a chase center win yet, and I believe 13 of the next 17 are on the road. I think, in general, throughout the organization that knows an 82-game schedule is ahead of them, I think th- they all wanted this you, one. You, you don't want a 15-win season, you know? You also don't want an extended like storyline of us being like, when will they get their chase center? When, when, you know? And I'll say this because we're looking into the draft a little bit because you have to with this Warriors team. This isn't a Zion Williamson sweepstakes. This isn't a draft upcoming. It might become that. I was going to say, we don't know that yet because we got to see the college. You know, yeah. Zion wasn't Zion until he started going absolutely crazy at Duke. I mean, he was he was pretty touted. Yeah, you know what else? I remember their opener last year right around this time because college basketball is like mm-hmm. opening right now. Everyone was saying, well, Zion is fun and spicy, but R.J. Barrett, that's the number one pick. Mm. At this time last year, everyone thought R.J. Barrett. And John Morant wasn't even in the conversation. I believe it was somebody else was considered two, and Zion was like in that 2-3 range. Yeah, I I don't know about all that. Zion was pretty well known going in, but I, it's hard. you could be right about that. In two months, we could be like, James Wiseman looks yeah. like a franchise He's changer. the next Anthony Davis. Yeah, I could see that, uh, but I think right now at least, there isn't a sense of uh, clear there's 
you know, there are those drafts that come along where there's the clear guy that everybody's talking about, and he's the most hyped prospect in over a decade. Um, and I don't think the guess right now is that this is that draft. So we'll see. It's going to shake out a little bit. It's all confused by how we've got a couple guys in Australia. Um, so it's it's a little bit different maybe than in past drafts, but we're going to be looking at it. Kai Bowman, two-way guy, um, forced into a starting point guard role. He played 37 minutes tonight. There are two two-way guys that are, like, vital. They uh, combined for, what, let's see, 30 plus 30, 67 minutes from their two two-way guys tonight. Jeez. Um, but he, you know, quick, quicker than I imagined, can finish kind of well. He's, like, he's committed to, like, just chasing around point guards and kind of being a little pesty. Um, I don't think he has, like, a huge long-term ceiling and you know there's been like some Patrick Beverly stuff floated out I think Larry Harris floated that out um but uh I you know he's been impressive there are guys where they can stick in the league as undersized point guards I mean that does happen and if he's got back a point guard written on him yeah I mean look Ish Smith has been in the league for a long time and Scott Brooks loves Ishmith. I remember Ishmith on the Thunder back in the day. Now I see him on the Wizards. Yeah, I mean he. I mean he's still he's still in the league. So uh, he was very impressive tonight. I have no idea. Again, just it's so hard to know what the ceiling is. Can he score really efficiently? Um, all of that is still to be determined. But this was, hey, if you're a Warriors fan, this was about as happy a night as you've had following this team since back during the finals so you know Uh, mid-finals those were happy nights well maybe after winning game two uh (laughs) other than that i think uh but yeah it was uh it was it was positive and right now um so we're getting we're getting presented gifts right now presented something i don't know what we've been presented with we might have to end this podcast soon ethan is opening it right now Uh, for the first game yeah, this is going to make us sound very corruptible, but yet we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Yeah, yeah thank we thank you for you. Uh, bestowing them upon us. Yeah, we don't. I don't know what it's going to be. I will. I will quickly pause the podcast. We wow, are. Oh, they just gave us a thousand dollars to say good things about the team. I mean, that's weird. I think the playoffs are still an option. I really do. <laughs> no, um, they are definitely not tanking. Steve Kerr, coach of the year, seems like a conversation okay. that needs to start going. Well, that sounds a lot less ridiculous to me than your your. You're going around just like demanding people throw on Eric Pascal Rookie of the Year lines because yeah, he had a couple. Work, I clearly work for a sports book, and I'm trying to get people to uh, <laughs> to squander money. Look, I mean, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, so like I said, 500 to one to begin the season. I think we would all agree that was a pretty good bet if you made that bet. Uh, 60 to one going in since night. I think it's one where you hedge it with another one, right? I think that's what you do. Personally, if I was a gambling man, and we all know I am not, uh, I would go 100 on Ja Morant and 100 on, on Pascal at 60 to 1. Here's the problem. It's been taken off the board, as we said, so I don't know what it's going to be overall. What do you think his true odds are, Anthony? What do you think they He's are? He's not going to win Rookie of the Year. I believe he has fringe all-NBA first team uh, potential, and I at this point I'd probably guess he'll at least be in the on the All NBA rookie second team. Again, it's been seven games, um, but look, I just 
I don't think long term this thing is set up for well, him to win let, rookie let, of the let, year. Let's break it down. So I think the best performing rookie this year is going to be Ja Morant. Uh, I think RJ Barrett is going to get similar numbers, even more numbers, and he's got a more known name. Um, yeah, a more known name, but Ja Morant, I just just looking at how they've played so far. I, I think, mean the Pascal, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, Morant. I think Morant is uh, is the guy I would put as the front runner. There's still a chance that Zion comes back and puts together an incredible season. I don't know if I trust the health. Uh, and then you've got Barrett, who is going to put up some numbers in a major media market. But things often don't work out well when it comes to the New York Knicks. Uh, after that, I mean, wouldn't you at least put Pascal in your top five? I don't know. It's so early. I mean, um, I mean, look around the league. Kendrick Nunn? I mean, Ken Nunn, I guess he is technically, Kendrick Nunn he's has technically got, a rookie, yeah. We mean technically a rookie? Yeah, he's very much a rookie. Yeah, he's very much a rookie. I just think about G League guys and whatnot. Um, well, I mean, Pascal's 23. That's probably yeah, the same no, age no, no, as No, 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 I was thinking I, I did sort of forget about Nunn a little bit. So he's in that conversation. I guess if we're coming up with the top five uh, candidates, so, we're coming up with Morant. Zion, Barrett, Pascal, and Nunn. And there's going to be a lot of volatility to that. Maybe we're going to start seeing other rookies. Maybe Tyler Hero. Who knows? Hero's a good one. Cam Johnson in Phoenix. Although, you know, that's... Yeah. Uh, But I do think that he is in right now that top five of odds. And if you're in the top five, anything can happen. I will say this. You you said 60-1. to I just went and looked at the current NBA title odds. The San Antonio Spurs are 60-1 to to win the NBA title. I will give you this. I think it is more likely that Eric Pascal wins Rookie of the Year than the Spurs win the NBA championship. I would agree with that. Um, I would agree that Pascal winning Rookie of the Year is more likely than the Spurs winning the championship. And Blazers-Mavericks are 50-1, to I think, similarly. I I would probably, in my head, give him a 30-1 to if I'm just going with the real true odds, just a guess, between 20 and 30-1 to for winning Rookie of the Year. This has been quite a strange start to the season. This is the conversation we're sitting here I, I happening after this, Game 7. I love this kind of conversation. I think this is a great kind of conversation. And I should be clear, too, I didn't come in thinking that Pascal would do all this. I have no idea. I, I, I didn't know. Didn't know how he fit. No clue about well, well, what it. The, yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting to see him on the fully loaded team and how he would have developed within that. This might long-term be better for him than the fact yeah. that he gets to sit here and you know take a bunch of shots and do all that. But to me, what intrigues me about him and, ha- and had since this, when they drafted him was the fact that he seems like a player that really does fit like a role. You know, where Jordan Poole, like, yeah, it's good for him to get all these reps in and get all these shots up, but if they were a fully formed team right now, Jordan Poole probably wouldn't be in the rotation just because it's not really a winning player. Pascal is a winning player as like a eight points, six rebounds, couple assists, positional, versatile defensively. Um, he would not be getting nearly the type of hype, but like long-term, like he fits that, and I think that's what's exciting for the Warriors. That is what's exciting for the Warriors, um, but what's also exciting is putting your life savings down on the 60-1. to one. I mean, look, I'll make one quick, I, I, I'm sorry to get so derailed into this, but I think my argument for him as a dark horse candidate would be it's the Warriors, it's a public team. It's well-known. They're going to be on national TV, even though they're bad. And so we can have some moments that might resonate more than perhaps some of the other moments that other rookies are having. That might help them. But realistically, you probably need some injuries when's, to occur. When's the last time a second-rounder won rookie of the year? Man, that's a great question. Um, 
I don't know, top of my head. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. They uh, usually don't get the opportunity that that he's going to get. I mean, that's it's uncommon for a second rounder to just be in the rotation like this um, and helping out so much. All right. Anything else? You're gonna look it up. Yeah. I gotta go right, my dear. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Second rounder, rookie of the year. This is great podcasting right now. Of me typing badly with my thumb. What was Brogdon? Was Brogdon? What Didn't pick was almost, Brogdon? It, did Brogdon? Second round. By the way, Brogdon's been balling for the Pacers. Hey, you know something? They've got the. Uh, they went to India, right? The uh, the India hangover is uh, is is worn off. It's lifted. It's lifted for the Lakers. Yeah, Brogdon, second round pick. Mm-hmm. Second round pick wins Rookie of the Year, twenty seventeen. What number? Thirty six. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, one thing I would warn against, and again, I think Pascal for sure is going to be a really good rotation piece for the long haul and he is under team control for three years uh, cheaply but there were nights where we really hyped up Patrick McCaw there were nights where we really hyped up Jordan Bell two other second rounders that had moments flashes important plays uh Bell particularly you know had some yeah, remember he, the six block game against people, the people, the Bulls where he was the story of the night yeah um I'm not saying Pascal's going down that disappointing road, but that disappointing road does exist in like a potential reality. Well, certainly does. I mean, it's certainly a possibility, and sometimes they get film on a guy and he can't do the next thing. But uh, at the very least, the initial returns are far beyond what anybody could have possibly thought. I'm a believer in signature significance, okay? I think that uh, what I mean by that is if you have such a big result, even if it's a small sample size, it can be potentially meaningful. Uh, For instance, when James Harden first started playing for the Rockets, and there was a lot of doubt, if you remember back then, that he was even anything close to a star. I remember. You know where I was at the time? OKC. (laughs) OKC. I was Um, hearing plenty of doubt. Yeah, yeah, that he could be anything like a star, and I think he came out guns blazing. He might have put up a 40-something point game. In Detroit, I remember it, because it was like, uh uh-oh. I remember I was at the Thunder play that night, and obviously it was such a huge story around them. Like, Kevin Martin I don't think was very good that night for the Thunder yeah. and that was kind of like the main play right away piece they got and it was like uh, you all seeing what Harden's doing in Detroit right now? And I remember there was a lot of people being savvy, people in the league saying don't overreact, don't over-. but no man guys don't just slap up 40 something points like the way Harden did it. That was one of those, no, he can do this he can do this at this level uh, not, not a lot of guys can just slap up 34 points efficiently in an NBA game so Plus there, 13 rebounds. Plus 13 rebounds. So there could be some – so what I would say, counter to what you were saying, and it's good to you know not go too crazy. You know, we don't know. But there could be some signature significance in a result like that. That's all I'm saying. And with that, the ever-optimist Ethan Strauss will sign off of this podcast, and uh, I will talk to you from the road trip. They are going to Houston for a national TV game Wednesday night, then to Minneapolis and Oklahoma City. 0-3, oh 1-2, and, three, one and two, 2 win one What are you thinking? They might steal that Houston game. Houston's looking, looking really shaky. I think Houston is going to want to punish the Warriors for uh, what has happened to them the last I mean, look, don't get, don't get me wrong. The Rockets, the Rockets should win that game, but they're looking – that Westbrook-Harden situation is – I'm going to guess 1-2. and two. I'm going to say not winless. 
Do you think winless or one and two? I mean, I know you're not taking two of them. I mean, probably winless. I mean, and here's the thing: is that Warriors optimism or is that Warriors pessimism? <laughs> I don't know what. I think if you're a fan of the Warriors, you should root for some fun games at Chase and maybe some L's. Three on the road. overtime losses. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, I will talk to you from the road.